Blaine and Mickey, 1045 The Zone. What's up? Happy Thursday, 201. <laughs> Titans and Bills prep continues. Uh, Paul's getting ready to play Ole Miss. I, I think that game is going to be so much fun. And and we can talk Ooh, some more about that. The atmosphere is going to be off the charts with the checkerboard night game. <laughs> Bunch of y'all oh, love Lane Kiffin. Already, Bunch of y'all hate him. I know a lot of the guys are going down there right from the station. Uh, we, I would not be down there. I don't know about what you guys. Is Lucas, you going? I'll Where's be you? there. I'm going to the game. Not, Listen not... to this rascal. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I'm going to the game. I'm not broadcasting at Calhoun's. I might swing by, though, as J. Mart Ramon, Will, and Slay are all going to be live. What he's Calhoun's. saying is he will enjoy himself yeah. uh, with no restraints yeah, or constraints. Free food, it is, it is, uh, it food, is a man. pleasure trip, not a business <laughs> trip this weekend. <laughs> yeah, at least you get to have the pleasure trips, man. Go Take up. them when I can get them. We will expect a full uh, pleasure trip evaluation. Well, who are you uh, going down with there? You going down there with Will? You guys going down together? Uh, we're not going down together because Will's broadcasting. He's going to the game with his family, just roommate, friends. Kind of. It's always that one weekend where college friends reunion type of thing. People coming down from different states. How pumped like up are the other the fans? Yeah. What's that? How, how pumped up are, are are your buddies about going down to the game? Uh, more than in years. You know, I mean, it's wow. it's going to be the best atmosphere since I would mark the 2016 Florida game five years ago when I was a junior at at the University of Tennessee. Playing Lane Kiffin, he said he can't remember the last time it was sold out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, he also yeah, said he had to he's not sure how he'll be received. He said it's gotten a little better over the last few years, but uh, I don't know how it's going to be when you oh, walk in there. How do you think he'll be received? Like, oh, what, what, what is the fan base like? Are they 50 50? Oh, it's going to be some booze. I think. Oh, it's going to be booze. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I meant like how they really feel. Like, you know, naturally got to boo them. But yeah, I, mean. I think Will made the, the point on the, we did the UT podcast yesterday uh, on the Zone Podcast Network. He made the point that on Twitter, it feels like fans, it does feel like fans have forgiven him, right? Just like on uh-huh. social media, because people are tweeting at him, come back, we miss you, all that stuff. But uh, Will made the good point that Twitter's, Twitter's not real life. Not Probably the, the majority yeah. of fans are still much more heartbroken and took it personally. Like, I don't take things personally in sports. You know, like when Henry Toa transferred to Alabama, I didn't, you know, it sucks. You you can hate it, but he's doing what's best for him. I don't take that personally. A lot of fans do, and that's okay. But, so I think he'll get booed. Oh, so you think (laughs) it's like 80-20. Yeah, no, I think I mean he's walking in there in Ole Miss colors, and you want to beat him. I mean, even the fans oh, that well, yeah, love him want to beat, beat him. him. Even the Let's fans that will take him back want to beat him more than anything. Oh, okay, man, he's hated like that. They they can win this game. Oh, they, I already made it. My I called my shot. That's they're winning this game. Pre-called your shot. Yeah, I'm pre-calling. I'm, they're going <laughs> to win the game. Yeah, they're going to win. Their defense is better. That's what I'm bracing it on. No, it is better. Better than Ole Miss. Ole Miss's defense is like ranked a hundred. It is 100. It Allowed 31 points per game, almost 200 rush yards per game. So I, yeah. I, just, I just don't I don't see it. I think uh, and I think they're going to run the football even more so, and that is UT, than people think. Uh, uh, yeah, I really do. They're going to get them. But it's funny, in the same coordinator, you can confirm this with me, the office of coordinator that was with Hypo at UCF is now the office of coordinator with Ole Miss. The Jeff Levy. Yeah. Levy. These teams know each other. Offensively, uh-huh. they know what the others do. Oh, that's going to be a lot of like the Spider-Man meme where they're Ooh, pointing boy, at each yeah. other in the game. This is going <laughs> to yeah. be, oh, man, I'm hoping to see a lot of fireworks. And UT gets to practice against their own team, so they're much more prepared than anybody to go against this style of offense. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm betting on that. You feeling pretty comfortable there, Lucas? You know, I'm getting nervous. Uh, two weeks ago, you would have said there's no way. But seeing how things have gone for Ole Miss against Alabama, the letdown that that was on the road, you at least thought that was going to be a good game, right? Yeah. Through, and they blew yeah. them out. After that opening drive, Ole Miss got all the way down, got stopped on downs. Game was over. 
So, and with the way Tennessee's defense has played especially, yeah, I mean, you're, you're way more confident now than you were two weeks ago. That just kind of speaks to the momentum they've been able to build over the last two weeks. Who does Vegas have winning? It's Ole Miss by four, three no. and a half. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, it's oh. down to two and wow. a half. Wow, I thought it would be like a, a touchdown. It's down it to two out. and a half. It was four and a half, well, it's I, down I to know. two and a half. I, I had no idea, I, you know. Uh, well, two and a half. Usually the home team, you know, I'm not a gambler, gets three points. So this really means Ole Miss still is supposedly supposed to win this game in a close one? They have the better quarterback, right? I mean, Matt Corral's a contender for the Heisman Trophy. Hendon Hooker's played but, really well. But Hendon Hooker is the higher-rated passer right now. Right. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, number don't one and number two. Of, some of the politics now, Lucas, you got to pay attention. That don't mean he's the better performer because he's getting the, he's in the Heisman conversation. If you go look at the numbers... That's true. In less games. Remember, he didn't even start. If he started against Pittsburgh, hey, man. Yeah, he probably yeah, win he's that He's playing phenomenal. As long as he protects the football and don't turn it over, they, they, they're they going to win. Well, Matt Corral hasn't thrown a pick yet. Well, he's going to, uh, you know, Saturday night. I think that might be my shot. Yeah. He's got 12 inter- – he's got he's 146 got attempts. He has 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm going all in. I, I think the Vols go get him, man. I do. Look, they have to get over the hypeness early in the game because they get a little too catch jacked your breath. up. Yep, catch your breath. <laughs> Slow down, take a deep breath, and then go. Yeah, then they'll be fine. Because those dudes, Lucas, are going to see, like, those cats are going to see what Neyland's supposed to look like. Some of those dudes on Tennessee, especially new guys, they, like, Kenan Hooker's never seen this thing like what it's really oh, yeah. supposed to look like. Saturday night is what it is supposed to look like because of COVID or just because of apathy or whatever. Hey, Amen. This is what it's supposed to always look like. Should they save the jerseys, the black jerseys for the night? I mean, Saturday night? A lot of people thought that. A lot of people thought that, but I, I, I thought that initially too, but then I kind of changed my tune on it. And one of the reasons the Smoky right. Grays, people got tired of them, were because they would lose in them, right? Because they'd take them out for, <laughs> oh, for games. Yeah, and play. You're going for the upset, right? Or it's, a, or it's like a toss-up game. It's 50-50 and you lose. And when you lose in them, people hate them. So take them out against a team you're favored against roll and go to the next week with confidence. Plus, Lane Kiffin would definitely have said something about the black jerseys. He was the first one to take them out. So you prevent him from having that little quip post game about, yeah, real creative that they take out the black jerseys when they're playing me. Uh, speaking of Lane Kiffin, I think you have this sound. What did he say about coming back and how he would be received? Here it is. Um, I don't know that. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it had, it's gotten better over the years. Um, you know, just in general and, you know, messing around in Twitter and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and whatever, a few years back when um, there was an opening, I think, you know, someone sent an article over all the email requests from fans to Fulmer, um, you know, about hiring us back there. And so, but I, I, I don't know. I, I still am. That may be one thing, you know, to say that and feel good about people in a relationship until they jog out in a different color and they're they for those next three hours you need to beat them. So I don't know. You can tell he doesn't really know how. To, I mean, normally he's a very definitive speaker. You can tell he really doesn't know how to feel it because I, in everything I've ever seen from him, I think he liked being at Tennessee. I I don't think it's necessarily him thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get out of here. He said at the time. I only want to do the press conference to tell people why I would leave this place. The most bizarre press conference, by the way, in 
you know, Tennessee sports media history. But he, Meanwhile, his agent is telling him don't not do it. to do it. Yeah. Tennessee's SID, Bud Ford, told him, don't, don't do, do it. Just go. <laughs> but that's what you do. And for it him, shows you he cares. He cared. He cared. Well, that's yes. the only job a lot he would was not going to perceive it that way, but that is exactly because that was the right thing to do. Just not that way. Right. But he didn't want a full-fledged cameras and everything else. It, did, it made it worse, but it, be, it was the right thing to do, but it still but made it worse. I would have called worse, him cowardly right? for just leaving and not talking to the team or the media. Yeah. I would have called him a coward. I hate when the, yeah. the coaches do that. Well, and I've heard the scene in the locker room. I know some people that were on that team, and the scene in the locker room in that meeting was not good. It was yeah. not good. It was oh, toxic, it was, you know, as you would imagine. Yeah, they were perturbed. I'm just saying this. If the Scorpions ever called me to go on tour and play bass, I'll come back and do one more show and say bye to you guys. I won't just leave you. I promise you. Before I embark on my world tour and we go to Dusseldorf and everywhere, mm. I'll come back. I'll do I'll, I'll at least do half of what. I'll at least come on and do one final. I'll drive by and honk on my way out of town. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's the, only, that's the only job Kiffin would have left for. It was USC. It's I believe only, that. He yeah, said that. I think yeah. there's a few bands that you would yeah, you would tour the country with and leave us for. And that's okay. I understand that. Yeah, just not, I mean, 12, <laughs> 13 maybe. Baker's dozen. <laughs> you would have laughed easily. <laughs> you can't lie. You don't have a safe face. That big vein in your forehead is pronounced. It says, oh, I would leave in a heartbeat. Blaine is our body language uh, in- interpreter as well on the, st- on the station. So he's interpreting uh, that I'm not lying about this. Uh, all right. Blaine mentioned this. So here we go. Uh Vols are 37th in scoring defense right now in the NCAA, 21 and a half points. In college offense, that's good. Oh, that's I mean, good. That, the Rebels are tied for 106, 32 and a half points. Oh, hey, worse than I thought they were. They're 100, which you were right, oh, in right. total offense, the or total defense. defense. Okay. 100 in total defense. The Vols are 47. Uh, Ole Miss, and Lucas said this one just in passing, they allow 191 rush yards per game. That's why I said they're going to run the football. Right out. They're going to run. They're going to run the football more than people think. They're going to still throw. Yeah. I mean, you know, but they're going to run the ball. And as I said before the season started, I went back and watched three games of UCF, and they ran the football 50-50 yeah. every game I watched. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what he does. That's really the trigger that makes this offense work: running the football. Mm-hmm. The passing part is is the easy. You just can't sit back and just throw it around the yard everywhere. And isn't that funny? Because if you spread people out, people just go, oh, it's a spread passing. No, no, not at all. Well, I, you I spread made, everybody out, and then only so many guys are in the box to stop the run. That's it. <laughs> Gus Malzahn yeah. corrected me on that once. I, I, I mentioned their spread offense, and he said, it's a downhill offense with, with you know, spread principles. Yeah. So Eli Drinkwitz told me the same thing. He worked with Gus, and I'm like, I will never make this mistake again. But so you're this right. offense is like air raid offense, right? With the with the running game, is that what they term it, or what do they call it? What does Hypo call his offense, Lucas? Well, Just, I'm talking about the principles. I think what, it's running sh- more run and shoot oh, principle really? offense. Yeah, it's kind of the way I've heard it phrased. Run and shoot, he, he won't man, put I practiced against that for a year. He said that. Run and shoot. Although the run and shoot was it seemed like a lot more shooting than running that you played that your team did the Oilers. Yeah, the Chuck well, and Duck isn't that what Buddy Ryan called it? Well, no, no, they did run the football. We had Lorenzo White That's as true. well as Gary Brown was the running backs, yeah. and they all rushed for over a thousand yards. What he called a Chuck and Duck is when they got in the red zone, twenty and in, you oh. cannot throw the football. There's not enough space for that offense to work. You have to run the football. 
And so he wanted them to run the football or have another, you know, phase of the offense that ran the football, whether it was I formation, two back, three back, whatever it may have been, to, you know, score. And then also uh, in the red zone, also then to milk the clock when you needed to, you needed to run the football. Yeah. And that was really, that's what bothered him. As time went on, he kept speaking much more louder because it's going to cost us in the playoffs. And it's exactly, he was exactly right, and that's exactly what happened. Mm. Uh, we got Doug Matthews coming up next. Evan and Franklin, let's squeeze in one quick call on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Hey, Evan, give us a couple seconds here. What you got? Hey, guys, just wanted to say uh, the run defense will go a long way in helping prevent Ole Miss uh, not convert third downs as well. And there's another edge for Tennessee. Tennessee's 14th converting nearly 50% of theirs, while Ole Miss is 80th. And they're like 10 of 28 in their last two games when it comes to converting third downs. So if Tennessee can stop them early on first and second, then that sets up favorable position for third down. A nutty that's thing. Tough. A good that's call, tough. The nutty thing about Ole Miss, they go for it a lot on fourth down. Oh, that's what people say. Like, oh, okay, yeah, hopefully yeah. Lane makes a lot of bad decisions. When he went for it on, like, it, on the 35 do backed that. up Don't against do that. Bama, Don't that do was that. personal. Yeah. That was personal. It was him versus Saban. You're not on the field, Lane. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. So everybody should say, we got our popcorn ready, Lane. It's going to be fun. I cannot wait. And, of course, you can hear the game right here on 104.5 The Zone in pregame with uh, Jay Martin, Ramon, and Calhouns and Lucas up there on a pleasure trip. My Lord, what a Saturday we got ahead of us. Uh, what a next segment we got coming up, too. Coach Doug Matthews will join us. We'll keep this discussion. He's at Calhouns already. He may be. We'll find out what his appetizer is. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, continuing this uh, Vols and Ole Miss talk. That's going to be a fun one on Saturday night. Coach Doug Matthews, he coached a few fun games at Neyland Stadium over the years. <laughs> Coach, hey, we were talking about this earlier. You know, for a bunch of these guys, because of COVID or because they just got here or the coaches are all new, it's a bunch of people who are really tied to this program that have no idea what this thing is supposed to look like and feel like and sound like. All that's about to happen on Saturday night. You know, you look at it, it looks like it's going to be a sellout. I guess maybe it is a sellout. Uh, I would think it would be a, a very good crowd. Tennessee playing well right now. Certainly Ole Miss playing well. Uh, should be a really good ball game. These two teams don't play much, uh, what, once ever six or seven years. Uh, and, of course, uh, former head coach of Tennessee coming into town. Probably brings a little added uh, excitement, maybe would be the word. I, I think that's fair, Coach. Um, how did you – keep your guys from getting so jacked up by, you know, noon or one o'clock or three or anything and keep them on an even keel so they could peak at the right time on a Saturday night game? Well, I think a lot of uh, uh, most coaches would, would rather play an early game. And remember, Tennessee practices in the morning. So uh, I don't know. I'm sure they probably had some type of evening practice to get under the lights, I, I would guess, maybe a couple of three times. Uh, not going to be greatly dark when they when they kick off, but it'll get that way pretty closely. But I don't know uh, that that really is a coach you worry about that much. You're you're particularly with a a veteran team, and while this team's got a lot of young players, it got a lot of older players too. And in today's Southeastern Conference football, but college football also, you know, you're going to play a a twelve o'clock game, you're going to play a two thirty game, you're going to play a 
a seven o'clock game, seven thirty, maybe an eight o'clock game Eastern time. So yeah, I think uh, I think you kind of get used to that. But I don't know. I think coaches probably worry too much about that if they do. That's certainly not something you could control, and you kind of count on your players of being able to do that themselves. Coach Doug Matthews, our guest, joins us at the same time every week, courtesy of the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. If you put down some drinks, put down your keys. Remember, fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Well, Coach, I'm going to go back to the last game, and in particular the second half. Give us your observation because they started off like gangbusters and seemed like, well, this is not going to be very much of a game at all. And then all of a sudden, uh, some miscues here or there, and, and you know some of the young guys probably felt like, ah, oh, this game is over. Kind of take us through some of the things you would have told your team at halftime to kind of guard against some of those things, and what did you see in the second half that maybe concerned you, if anything? Blaine, certainly you, uh, you go out, uh, come out of the halftime, and you're talking to your team. Head coach does most of the talking, quite frankly, in that vein, but it's about listen. Uh, you've heard it. In all the years you've been playing, you know, hey, let's act, let's go out and act like a zero to zero. Well, it's not zero to zero, <laughs> and these guys aren't stupid. You know, they're, they're college students. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple of ha- things happened this game. I, I kind of take a little different view than uh, some of my friends, uh, my coaching buddies do. Uh-huh. You know, it had been one thing if Tennessee would have came out and played sloppily, but they did not. They only had two penalties the whole ball game, uh, mm-hmm. and and one of them was uh, they were both on defense, one on offense. Uh, they didn't have any turnovers. Uh, they really played a really clean game. I, I would tend to maybe put a little bit more, give a little bit more credit to uh, South Carolina. Carolina. I've got to believe that getting your fanny kicked the first half, that yes. that head football coach and that staff is probably going to say, hey, let's at least go out there and show some fight. Uh, and uh, it, it probably was a little bit of both. But quite frankly, uh, Blaine, they were so far ahead at that point, and and right. knew you knew they were, Tennessee was going to score some points the second half. It it was almost uh, an impossibility to get beat. You would like to see them play a little bit better as a coach, but again, it wasn't because of sloppy play. If they had a you know laid the ball on the ground, you know made a, made a bunch of pre or post snap penalties, that'd have been one thing. But they didn't do that. Like I said, they only had two penalties, both defense. One of those was a kind of an inadvertent face mask. So. I thought from that standpoint, Tennessee played really well in this past ball game. Any uh, other guys that uh, stood out to you uh, that you want to give uh, a shout out here on Blaine and Mickey that you uh, enjoyed their performance? Well, you have to talk about Brandon Turnage. Yeah, Here's sure. a young man who who came in. Uh, he actually had been working at cornerback outside uh, almost his whole time in camp. Uh, and the only way he plays if is not only if the starting nickel player, and again, he hadn't worked a whole lot at the nickel position, leading into this this game week. Not only is Theo Jackson out, but also the backup, Danico Slaughter's out. So he has to come in and play. And what a great example. And I'm sure Coach Heupel will use this as long as he's at Tennessee. It's, it's the perfect example of a young man who had not played hardly any. He'd been on the kick teams, played a little bit in, in mop-up roles. When his time came, when they called his number, he not – not only came in and played pretty well, he played really well. 14 tackles was all over the field, cemented his. He'll be playing some more, I guarantee. Now, secondary, their five starters are really good football players, and all of the five starters in the secondary, the nickelback and the two corners and the two safeties, you know, they've all had have started at least three, three years at Tennessee. 
And, uh, but, but I think that was a big thing coming out of that. That young man was ready to play. Uh, he obviously knew what he was doing and he played spectacularly. He, he played it, you know, Theo Jackson, I think has been the best player every play of every game overall. Uh, but Turnish came in and if, if he'd have had 26 on his back, he'd look just like Theo Jackson, pretty darn impressive from my standpoint. Mm. But naturally you talked about it, Lane Kiffin coming back into town. What do you remember that stands out uh, when Lane Kiffin was his, uh, you know, one stint year uh, there with, with UT? Well, I'm, I am probably not the right guy to ask about that. <laughs> I, uh, but I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> uh, I thought Lane Kiffin was a, uh, a number one, you know, you hire who you can hire. Uh, he, he never to me ever wanted to be at Tennessee. Uh, he stayed one year. Uh, he ran off a bunch of players off of that football team before he left. He and Ed Orgeron, who was his defensive the coach that came in early. Uh, you know, he had some like to kind of talk about the great job he did there. He had basically three first round draft choices on that team. Uh, Barry was one of them. And, uh, and he had the big tackle, I forget his name, Williams, I think out of, out of uh, Memphis. And then Montero Hardesty was a, uh, early second round guy. So he, he had basically three first round players on that team, but he didn't want to be there. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, he had Southern Cal all over him. He ended up going out there. And of course, a couple of years later, he gets fired on the tarmac out there. So, uh, uh, again, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a very big, uh, Lane Kiffin fan, but this isn't about Lane Kiffin. This is about Ole Miss coming to town. Ole Miss has got a four and one record. They, they've, they, they played one, uh, they played, what I still think is, if not the best, one of the top two teams in the country in Alabama. Uh, they've won the other four ball games. They're 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 a high powered offense, not so much on defense. Tennessee's playing really well right now. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, it should be a really really good football game. I uh, I give Tennessee a just a little edge, if that, because they are I think better. Defense. on defense yeah. than Ole Miss is. Now, having said that, both these teams can score, uh, and if one of them is really hitting on all cylinders, uh, you know, it, it could it could be a, it could be a good night for them. But I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game. I really do. If, if Tennessee wins this game, man, they should be ranked at that point, don't you think? Probably will be, but, you know, coming up, their next three ball games is Alabama, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Open, Georgia or Kentucky and then Georgia. And those are, uh, I, I can make a strong argument right now. You know, everybody's talking about how good Iowa is and they are. I don't think they're any better. And I don't know that they'd win in a matchup against Kentucky. Kentucky's playing really good football right now. They're not flashy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but boy, they play really well. Both sides of the ball. They got a quarterback now that transfer youngster left has come in playing well. Uh, and I think they'll give Georgia all they want down there. I think Georgia a little bit better. But uh, but Kentucky playing really well right now. We're on with the coach, Doug Matthews. Coach, it's interesting. We had a caller who checked in earlier, and he said, you know, the Rebels just aren't that good on third down. There's an opportunity for Tennessee. But the crazy thing about them is they've gone for it on fourth down 24 times. They're 18 of 24 on fourth down, and we're, what, not halfway through the season. The lane train doesn't always uh, stop on fourth down. No, uh, and I tell you about that. The, the uh, good thing for Tennessee is 
you remember you have every play of, of every game that the team's played. So they have on that one, that fourth down tape, they got 24 plays to look at. Mm. So they'll know exactly what they like to do against particular defenses on it. And it doesn't surprise me. I mean, when you're, when you're not playing well on defense or you're not very good on defense, uh, you know, you're going to go for it more. And we've seen that a lot. Uh, and you, you mentioned 18 or 24. I think three of those uh, three of those six that they didn't make, or maybe all four, four of them, was against Alabama. So they've, they've had pretty good success doing that. But uh, Tennessee will be ready for that. And, uh, you know, it, it's – here's the thing about going for it on fourth down. Uh, when you look at it as a defensive coach, if I'm a, if I'm a defensive play caller – and I'm, I'm going against a team that goes on fourth down, there's, there's a couple of things that go into it. Number one, where is it on the field? All right, where are they on the field? If the offense is in their end of the field and going for it, I'll probably play just good solid defense and not try to give up a big play. If they're in my end of the field, maybe field goal area, I might, I might do a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive, play a little bit more tough man to man or, or bring people off the corner a little bit more. And then also what goes into it is the score of the game. If you're significantly up and they're just going forward, hey, we want them to run clock. We're not going to give a big play. Not going to let them break, break, break a long run, get them on the ground, and let them let them let them snap it again. So all those things will play into what you do defensively when a team's going forward on fourth down. Arkansas ran for 350 against them. Uh, Vols certainly have had a lot of success on the ground so far this year, and a healthy tie on Evans would go uh, a long way towards some more of that on Saturday. believe he's healthy. One of the things that uh, I really like that Coach Heifel does, remember, he's the play caller. Uh, he has shown really in, in, in almost all, every, all the six games, uh, if, if the pass is there, he's going to pass it. If the run is there, he's going to run it. I don't think he cares which one he does because what they ran, what, 57, 58 times last week because they were giving him the run. The other thing that he does that kind of you, you start seeing what his, uh, uh, what his philosophy is, and I love this as, a, as an offensive guy. Uh, didn't like it so much when I was a defensive guy. He is going to make you stop and cover and think about the takeoff routes. He will throw four, five, six of those a game at least, and he's going to make you stop that. They're throwing it to Peyton, primarily number three right now. Uh, and I'll tell you one other thing that they've really zeroed in, he has really zeroed in on. He knows what a quarterback can do, Hooker. Uh, he knows to who his possession receiver is. They get the ball to Jones Jr. on short routes because he has the ability to break tackles, and he's done that. Uh, the Tillman youngster is, is a bigger, more physical kid. He can go deep, but he also can go short. And the thing that I love about it is he's leaving his playmakers out on the field. Hooker's out there. Hooker's going to carry it 10 times a game. Evans is going to carry it 15 or so. Uh, they'll probably get, I think small will probably be back for this ball game. He's probably going to get, uh, 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 eight, 10 carries also. And then the biggest thing uh, that the, the big plus I saw coming out for, for a Tennessee fan coming out of last week's game, we all have been waiting for Jalen Hyatt to have a breakout game that shows he's built. He is the most talented receiver on that team. Uh, he's had a little case of the dropsies and he had two contested catches, one for a touchdown. They were difficult catches and he snatched them with his hands 
And that has to be a big confidence factor to him. I'll be very surprised if we don't see these last six games, Jalen Hyatt making a lot of plays because he has all the ability in the world. Coach uh, Doug Matthews joining us here on Blaine and Mickey. Well, Coach, uh, with all's going well, that means it should be going well in recruiting. How's recruiting going? I think this decision uh, that uh, here's the uh, uh, and it's not a quandary, but here's where Tennessee is right now. Uh, number one, uh, they're not exact. No, nobody's talking about this, but they're not exactly sure if they're going to ha- lose any scholarships because of the recruiting situation. Uh, and I don't think they'll know that probably until maybe even going into to next year. Uh, the other the other part of it is is here, here's what the big plus that happened for all for all programs this past week. Uh, the NCA gave their approval for kind of a, a bridge, a stopgap that going forward this year, after this year, you can have your 25 original scholarships you get every year. And then you can go up to seven more scholarships, one for every transfer that you lose. So potentially, if you lose seven, at least seven transfers, you can have 32 scholarships. So they'll be looking at that. My guess is they, they have, I think, 14 commitments, uh, Blaine. And I think, uh, I think they're, they're kind of held there seeing because they know they're going to have to bring in some uh, – they know they're going to have to bring in some transfers. And, boy, they had great success with transfers this year, by the way. And then the last part of it is this. There is they have uh, they have I think eight or nine and I don't know the exact number because I'm not exactly sure where all of them fall. They have eight or nine seniors that because of the COVID year last year could return. Uh, two offensive linemen, uh, you know, uh, 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 Alante Taylor uh, and uh, Flowers, both are seniors who could come back. Uh, so how many of those are going to come back? I think some will. Uh, how many of those are going to come back? So, uh, but recruiting right now, I, I would say it's uh, it's in decent shape, and, and a lot of it's going to be have to do with which of those transfers they get, and also who's going to be leaving. I don't anticipate they're going to have very very many players transfer out. Um, I think they uh, may be quarterback probably, but other than that, I don't uh, I don't see anybody that's really going to play up there much. It's going to be transferring. I, I think they got a pretty happy content and i'm talking about the 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 atmosphere uh situation in knoxville right now and all that's big plus and all that quite frankly is is the direct result of coach josh heupel well coach doug matthews always great stuff uh tennessee highway safety office putting you on people can also catch you football saturday and big orange sunday as well coach we look forward to it every week and uh, can't wait to talk about this game next week we'll do it you guys have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank okay. you, Coach. Uh, when we come back, who practiced today for the Titans? Who didn't practice? Uh, we'll hit you with that. Also, opening night for the Preds. We'll wrap things up next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Thursday to you three. Y'all coming up next. They'll get you uh, on your ride home. A little bit of breaking baseball news. I know there's a handful of other crazy Cardinal fans like me. They just fired their manager. Mike Schilt, three-year deal. Oh, man, that hurt you. Uh, no, it doesn't hurt me. Let's see what's <laughs> and it hurt you more than y'all lost, right? Yes, that hurt a lot more. I uh, lost to Jim, Jimmy Wyatt's Dodgers. Jim, if you're listening, tip of the cap to you. 
Um, Titans practice today. This is from Jim White. Good news. Wide receiver Julio Jones practiced again on Thursday for the Titans. Oh, so, so did Bud Dupree. What? And safety Amani Hooker, who's in that weird window of coming off oh, of IR. I think Hooker's playing. I got to see some video of Dupree. We'll find some because last last week, to, to blame Bishop's credit, we watched video of Dupree last week, like three plays. And, and, you're like, and Evans. Uh, yes, and you're like, uh, that, that dude's not playing. Evans, I, I saw a video of him today. And he, oh, you saw Evans today? Yeah, he, he looked a lot better than last week, but it's still going to be close. So he's still in the window, and you were like, yeah, I'm going to move on from him. This, this is going to be a minute. He, but, he looked uh, a lot better than last week. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, yeah. Bad news. So it's a good news, bad news tweet from Jim Wyatt, uh, Titans reporter. No sign of Christian Fulton Mm-mm. or Caleb Farley for the second straight day. What? No sign. What is wrong with them? I don't know. And Shane Bowen said today if uh, Christian Fulton couldn't go, and I think Teron Davenport had tweeted this earlier, basically said if Christian Fulton couldn't go, then they needed Caleb Farley to go. And as Jim White is now saying, um, no practice for the second straight day, said Derrick Henry got the day off. What, what is his? Do we know his injury on this one? Because he did practice initially on Monday, right? I don't recall him being on the injury report until yesterday. Maybe I missed it. Ah, man. Golly, I mean, he played in the game and did fairly decent. It's I mean, one, it's one of those things where it's like, what now? It cannot be anything. It was a shoulder in the beginning of the season. And we got a, a Dylan Raiden sighting, too. Well, Granted, I, he wasn't injured, but I'm talking about, like, look like he moving around like he ready to get ready to go. But he ought to be well-rested. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, hey, man. Oh, man, you throw him on the bus. He has no, nothing to do with No, I mean, he's got that. fresh legs, I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. He does look like he got fresh legs, considering that it was uh, almost 1,400 views of him just uh, – Blocking someone in front of him one on one. I too am well rested. You know, Lucas Panzeca well rested. Oh man, oh man, I want to see some video. Why is there no video of Dupree? I see nothing because somebody was listening to the show last week and Blaine watched three plays and was like, "Hey man, that guy's not playing on Sunday. I'm calling my shot now. Oh, I don't so, expect to see that guy so now play." They're, now they're dressing guys based off of what I say off a of video. Hundred percent. They can't put the video out there if you're just going to instantly interpret it and go, "Oh no, this guy's not playing." If that's what's happening. Then that means they 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 upper making dudes play. They should be playing. It's <laughs> like you know I mean? all the Dylan Ravens talk. They're like, "Hey man, these guys keep wondering when you're going to play. You got to play." Oh, Sam Brylow's gone. Well, peer pressure is a mess, isn't it? Dallas says on here, as he should be, he's played one game in two years, talking about Dylan Radens. Remember, he played one game uh, in his, his last year of college against, like, Central Arkansas. That's a trivia question for everything. It's like the teams that played one game all played Central Arkansas. Oh, man. I did not go to Central Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, Preds get it rolling tonight. It's their 24th season. That doesn't even seem possible. At home against the Kraken. The Kraken have already played. They lost to Vegas four to three Tuesday night. That was a fun game to watch. They were down three to nothing and came back and tied it. And then one of the Vegas guys, I showed you the video. He kicked the puck in the net and they're like, Oh, he did not kick it. That's a good goal. Yeah. The dude kicked it. Uh they got the win. They are the sixth youngest team in the NHL, twenty six point eight five years. This is a young Predators team. Um, I thought about this. So if you're 30 years old and you grew up in Middle Tennessee, Lucas, you, you grew up in Alabama. 
but you're sort of in the age group that's at least you got a ways to go to get to a 30. But if you're 30 years old and you grew up in Middle Tennessee, you don't ever remember a time more than likely when there wasn't pro hockey. Because you're five, six years old. You you probably don't have a whole lot of memories. You might remember when the Predators started because maybe you had Nash come to your school or or you had, uh, you know, uh, you went to a game or something like that. Um, but uh, 30 years old or so, you don't even remember a time in Middle Tennessee without hockey. So uh, congrats to the Preds. Year 24 against the Kraken tonight. That ought to be fun. And Lucas is telling me before we got to go, and we do got to go, Y'all jump on the phones right now, 615-737-1045. Caller 5, Lucas has Vols tickets, right, what? Lucas? For Saturday night, Caller 5, uh, 615-737-1045 gets two tickets for Vols and Rebels because Lucas is just that kind of guy. So we're just going to leave you right. like that, giving stuff away. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, bye. <laughs> 3HL coming up next here on 104.5 The Zone. Happy Thursday. And as always, from the Blaine and Mickey Show, peace!